Hey everybody, thanks for joining. How are you today? Depending on when you're listening to this right now, we're recording it in the middle of August of 2023. This week's particular topic is a landscape problem few think about when they hit that proverbial horticultural wall outside. And we're titling it a landscape problem few think about. You know, over the years I have heard from others about how they try and try and try to get their yard going or get it back going in the right direction. And nothing they do. They fertilize. They put extra water on it. They, they know that they've put their plants or their color or whatever where it's supposed to be. But yet still, everything, their plants, lawn, trees, everything seems to struggle in order to perform. This week I'm going to discuss a little explored part of landscape problem solving and how to correct the problem if discovered. I'm really glad you joined me today for a few minutes. Let's get this thing rolling, shall we? Hey friends, Maestro here. Just dropping a reminder to check out the podcast description for discount opportunities and any important links. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on a specific app, please don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps us grow and continue to provide these free podcasts. So let's make a couple of assumptions. Let's make uh, the assumption that you've deemed the soil you have in your landscape as okay. You can actually dig in it. Sort of okay. It's, it's all right. Every time you have gone to plant something, you've done everything according to directions, so to speak. You've got some amendment and maybe you have some, you know, organic starter fertilizer. You've You've dug the holes correctly. You've planted everything at the right depth. You've done it the way you're supposed to do it. And months later, when you would expect things to leap and start growing and get a foothold, things are just kind of sitting there. This is particularly noticeable when it comes to lawns. But Hey, perennial shrubs and trees, annual flowers planted in the ground, you will find the same problem as well. But in general, nothing is thriving. It just kind of sits there. And in some cases, when things are really out of whack, things just sit there and yellow. Sometimes the leaves will start dropping. Things will not bloom. They will not grow. And even bare spots and things in lawns start to, to come about. So, in order to combat this, a lot of people will assume uh, it needs more water. It needs more food because that will solve everything. Or maybe you water more because things look to be wilting. But why are they wilting? Are they wilting because it's dry before you start watering again? Or is it wilting for a totally different reason? But no matter what you do, nothing seems to improve. And this is where a lot of people do the proverbial horticultural headbanging against that wall. And they just throw their arms up, throw a few four-letter words out and go, see, I don't have a green thumb. Everything I put in the ground does not work. And yet the answer to maybe more than one, but a major one is right underneath the surface, right underneath your feet, where you've put hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of landscape investment. It happens more than you realize. And in many cases, it will never change until you address 
and correct one more thing in the landscape. Check and amend the soil pH, the acidity and alkalinity of your soil. No matter what you put in there sometimes, if you have a, a very basic or high alkaline soil, say like nine or higher, or a very acidic soil like four or less, you are going to have problems with some plants because some prefer a, an acidic value, maybe not a three, because three is awfully acidic. That's like boreal forest way up north type of acidic. And they don't like high alkaline. They don't want a super salty soil that's like nine plus. Some plants will hang in there, but they don't thrive. So we need to we need to adjust that soil chemistry just a bit. And it doesn't have to do with do you have the right nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium? Because if the pH balance of the soil is out, you can really struggle. The plants can really struggle with even taking up, taking up nutrients. You'll even struggle with photosynthesis. Actually, the living part of the plant taking sunlight and making it into chlorophylls and nutrients and down into the doing the whole process that the plants do I, i'll give you a prime example if you took uh, spanish lavender beautiful spanish lavender and you put it in a soil that was say 4.5 chances are it will not do very much at all for you it it won't and in contrast go out and find a very expensive, very robust looking blueberry. Blueberry plant. You can't wait for the blueberries to come in and you plunk it in the ground and plant it all correctly and your soil pH is 8.5. Huh. Yeah, you'll see that thing up and say bye-bye generally within about 12 to 18 months. It will not do anything for you at all. So understanding the soil pH scale and the plants, flowers, trees, and lawn you have chosen, and making sure there is a compatibility there is a crucial step in planning and research before ever designing or breaking ground. This is all part of that due diligence process when you're thinking about doing a landscape makeover or just adding to the landscape at a new home. Maybe you're not doing the whole thing over, you're just doing a corner or something. So whether it be a a little weekend enhancement project, or a total rip out and do over, getting a soil test and determining the pH of the soil, along with some other soil analysis, is a huge, huge insurance policy and a great step that many, even the professionals, do not do. So, speaking of professional, where I used to practice in the Central Valley of Northern California, in the, in the area that I was in, there was generally about two or three different soil types. In a nearby town of Stockton, California, there was mm, heavy black clay. And it kind of, it generally ranged in the six to eight category. And then up in my hometown, there was probably much more of a neutral. 6.5 to 7.5 was kind of the sandy loamish type of things. And if I went up in the hills, went up in the hills, then you start getting into some alkaline soils. And there was some caliche, 
clay crappy stuff up in there and oftentimes that stuff would be eight to nine and we had to amend it a bit so zero on the ph scale is like you know it'll melt your shovel off when you put it in the ground just kidding but highly highly acidic and 14 you know is like soil like clorox you know it's highly caustic and very little places except like Parts of Death Valley and other places like that are really that high, you know, where bad water down in Death Valley is super, super alkaline. But we're always kind of striving. We think that being at seven, the neutral or basic on the pH scale, would seem like a perfect balance for plants, right? Well, in some cases, yes. And for a percentage of the plant world, you'll have no problems. But then there are those plants that require something more of an acidic soil. And we talked about one of them already. We'll talk about a few of the plants in just a minute. So you do a test. You go out and you, maybe you take my advice, or maybe you're already well into the horticultural world and you just do that as a, a basic understanding of what your landscape is. Kudos to you. And you, you do a test and find you have a soil in the front yard that is slightly alkaline or basic. And we'll say maybe eight. Let's, let's just as a round number. Then you go to the backyard and you sample that and send it in and it re reveals your 6.0. And you go, hold on a second. Okay, the front yard is 8 alkaline and yet the backyard is 6.0, slightly acidic. What the hell? Why would this be? Well, some contributing factors you want to look around is look up. If you're in a particular area where you have a lot of conifer or redwood or maple or anything like that that has a lot of leaf litter dropping in the ground over the millennia, uh, that would be one reason because it would organify down into the soil and acidify it at the same time. So if you don't have those trees out front, maybe in the back you have neighbors that have these kinds of trees and you get their leaf litter when the wind blows, etc. And over the years that is collected, but out front there isn't anything. So you can see maybe the, the natural tendency for the soil around there might be that 8.0. But because of planted trees in the back, you have a slightly acidic soil. So what do you do? Well, step one is determine the compatible plantings that you're thinking about for each area without any soil amending. You can approach it in that respect where you don't have to do much of anything, maybe some organic compost at planting, or if you're doing lawn or seed bed prep for, you know, turf, you don't have to do too much of anything. Step two approach would be amend the soil wherever it's at and correct the pH over the entire landscape or at individual planting sites, either or, okay? And step three approach would be understand that this will be a continuous process and you accommodate the plantings for years and years to come by bringing in the proper elements to correct the soil pH on a regular basis. And so how do we do that? Well, soil pH is corrected by the addition of various minerals that are either naturally acidic or become acidic when they're applied to moist soils or they become basic or alkaline when they're applied to most soils. For acidic soil that we need to correct up towards neutral or whatever, we put in agricultural lime. 
and that will that will raise up that pH to where it's a little more uh, compatible to a majority of plant material. For alkaline soils or basic soil, we use elemental soil sulfur. Rates will depend on the soil makeup, clay versus loams versus sandy, whatever. Uh, but a general rule is a light correction, 40 pounds per thousand square feet. A moderate correction, 50 pounds per thousand square feet. And if you really need to kick it in the butt, then it's 80 pounds per thousand square feet. So super, super acid, super, super acid. You may come in with some lime rates at 80 pounds, but maybe it's, maybe it's only 5.5 or maybe a 6. You want to bring it up to neutral and maybe use a 40-pound application. Obviously, the more correction needed, the higher poundage per square foot. Makes sense, right? So, plant problems. What are some of the, the signs and symptoms of plant problems that are in the wrong pH of soil? In many cases, symptoms from plants in the wrong pH will show in similar ways. One of the big ones is uh, failure to thrive. A yellowing and falling leaves. In some cases, leaf tip burn, failure to grow of any kind, dieback with a twiggy look where stems and stuff are, are either going black, but don't always count on soil pH if you get black stem, but dieback, wilting, especially lawns. You know, you can have a thinning of a brand new turf lawn, and once it gets into the native soil there beyond your, your tilled areas, you can find things withering and wilting despite it being wet. And you're sitting there just scratching your head and going, what the, what the Sam heck? So you can see if you do all things right above ground before you do in ground and fail to miss this critical step, Success may be just beyond your grasp for a very, very long time, and you may never seem to achieve the results that you want. So here's a technique that I have used when I've dealt with either my own place or a customer's project, and um, turned out okay. You know, it, it was well within limits of what I was putting in the ground for them. But only in turf application did I ever put down lime or sulfur in a broadcast, uh, a total area type of correction. All the berming and mounding and natural soil application that I did, I generally just did a pinch of this and a pinch of that, whatever it needed in that particular area. And I would mix it up with organic fertilizer, compost, native soils, and everything, and put it in the ground. If I was dealing with a slightly alkaline soil, then my hole would be much wider and slightly deeper than the root ball that I was pulling out of the can. And in that excavated mix is where I would mix in whatever I needed to do. If I needed to put some sulfur in there, then I would put some sulfur. Unless my organic fertilizer had a good elemental sulfur component in it. For trees and shrubs, my pH was kind of negligible most of the time. The only spot treating is the only thing that I ever did, right at the hole itself. And like I said before, since most of the sod that I ever used, I 95% of the time, I was doing uh, a dwarf fescue with a bluegrass sod mix. That's relatively the only sod I ever put down. 
and it generally always liked it around 6.5 or so. So just a, just a hair on the acidic side. So I, I would pull out a couple of bags of sulfur and put it down. And then when I did my composting and my organic fertilizers and I tilled it back up and graded and compacted and firmed it and ready to go, it was already in there. Now, did I come back and test it again? No, I did not. Based on my number of times I've done it and the experience that I had, I knew I didn't have to change the whole area more than a half a percentage point. So if I had a thousand square feet of sod, I threw down 40 pounds of elemental sulfur and called it good. I know that I would bump that needle enough that everything would be fine. Now, does that mean that if it was seven or 7.5, that that fescue bluegrass lawn would not grow? No, no, it would have been fine. It, it would have turned out all right, but I just like to put it in its optimum and then turn it over to the customer with a little walkthrough explanation. And then it's up to them. You know, after that, I educated before I left. And then once I leave, you know, hand that baby off out of the hospital and now it's their baby, right? In some cases, when I planted acid-loving plants like camellia, rhodes, azaleas, gardenias, blueberries, in many cases, hydrangea, ferns, I usually excavated that oversized hole, and that was my ticket to success. It was an oversized hole where I knew it was a shallow-rooted plant to begin with. So if I had a five-gallon azalea that I was putting in the ground, you know that I had a 24-inch wide hole and probably an 18-inch deep hole. That way, when that azalea put out its new feeder roots, it went out into soil that was properly pH'd and full of nutrients and get off to a super great start. I mean, I have moved azaleas out of my own yard and out of people's yards where I've plunked the, the shovel in one, two, three around the root ball and pride and a 10-year-old plant just pops right out of the ground. It doesn't develop huge root systems. It really does not. Now, something else you can do, go find yourself a real good soil test probe. Preferably not the cheap China crap that you'll find on Amazon. You might have to look around for one, but a, a good one's going to cost you 50 bucks. And you can go out and just probe your lawn and kind of learn yourself. Buy a soil test probe instead of going and sending soil off to a lab, and at least you'll have a good general knowledge of what's going on in there. So, do I think soil pH is the same all over the place? No, no way in heck. Like, where Maestro and I are right now, way up in the extreme northeast of the USA, trying to run away from the heats and other stuff, we are up in soil conditions up here that are very acidic. I would hazard to guess if I had my soil probe and stuck it in the ground around where I'm at right now, you'd probably have a 4.5 to 5.5 on a regular basis because there's so much coniferous stuff up here. Everything everywhere is leaching out of the trees and into the soils and into the creeks. You have that coppery, clear brown rivers and streams up here that are colored with the tannins from so much conifer runoff. You know, it's not that it's unhealthy. It's just, it's acidic. And when you look around the plant material up here, a predominant amount of evergreens, perennials, hydrangea, um, nine bark and those kinds of plants that do pretty darn well. They're thriving up here. I noticed that a lot of people have huge 
massive lawns up here. And they're not sodded. They are either what Mother Nature intended to be there if the trees and shrubs aren't there, or they're seeding them. But guys, I'm talking about acres of lawn to mow every week. I have a friend up here in Maine, and he has uh, two and a half acres at his home that he has to have mowed for him. But the, the landscape contractor that he uses spends a half a day. A half a day mowing grass. But that 4.5, my gosh, that pH level is fantastic for blueberries, conifers, maples. But not really good if you do native plantings for some veggie plants. They would prefer to be a lot more neutral or even slightly alkaline. Or things like I mentioned earlier, like lavender. Viburnum, Wygelia, Ceanothus, Euonymus, and others, they really don't want that, that high, high acidic values, or I should say low acidic values. Higher pH will have kind of a, an adverse effect on some plants to be able to take up those nutrients, like I mentioned. So you really want to look, do some research. You can do your designing and your, your thought process as far as, boy, I'd really like to have this and that and the other thing. And as you're doing it, you're always referring to the landscape pH and know that, hey, you know, a, a sun azalea is going to want something around 5, even 4.5. It'll probably be okay. Plus, acidic soils can be, uh, I'm not going to say they're a deep, richy loam type of organic layers. They're very thin and sparse with kind of shaly or rocky or that kind of stuff. Because look around, you know, that's where, you know, spruce and pines and other things tend to tend to thrive. Now, I know there's lots of pines and other things down in the southern, southern parts of our country, and I'm sure in the southern hemisphere as well. But some of those pines have adapted to pHs that they naturally grow in. But up where I'm at, mm, nah, no, the soil layer, you, you'd be lucky to ever, except for some potato fields and other things that have been tilled for years, you know, you probably don't have eight inches of organic layer before you hit shaly rocks or sandstonies and other stuff that are out here. So it's incumbent upon composting and feeding and uh, testing pH and adjusting that stuff on a semi-regular basis, at least once a year or so, and know that the pH is not going to be something that's going to just leap across the scale depending on what you put on it, because it has to be broken down by bacterias and other things in the soil, and then the pHs will adjust either up or down, depending on what you're using. And I don't want to make this sound like I'm making a huge blanket statement here either. A little alkaline or a little acidic, things will do fine. If you took a range of between six and eight, most things, except for the really high acidic demanding things like blueberries and some berry plants, raspberries, that kind of stuff. But if you're around the neutral thing, yeah, plants are going to be okay. They're not going to, it's not anything that you're going to have to sweat. It's really not. Basically, what I'd like you to take away from this is knowledge and prevention are the key here. Gain the knowledge of what you actually have. Make the corrections that are necessary and then prevent it from slipping back into something that would be damaging to what you've put in the ground. And then all will be good. You know, in this day and age, all of these plant requirements, all the things that you need to try to 
accommodate these guys, especially the cost of some plants now, is only a fingertip and a click away. You can research until the cows come home. You really can. And really dial it in. Products? Well, elemental sulfur and agricultural lime, pretty easy to find almost anywhere, especially garden outlets. But don't fall into the trap of, well, I'm going to put on twice as much because I really want this stuff to change faster. It won't change faster. It won't. Do it according to directions, period. So there you go. Kind of a, uh, a tell when it comes to you're doing everything right, ain't nothing working. You might want to check the soil pH and see where you're at in accordance and compatible with what you've put in the ground. I hope you got a little something out of this week's thing. I'd really love you to join me over on the YouTube channel where we'll have a little bit more obvious video parts of this. And check out the website, guys. I do appreciate some people. I saw some people picking up uh, uh, maintenance checklists and a couple, I think I, I think we had a, a few of the 15-step uh, checklists. I really appreciate people looking into those things, very much so. And don't forget the consultation. You know, if you get in a position where, hey, you could call somebody and they're going to charge you 100 bucks to come out, or you can call me and we can talk about it over a Zoom conversation. Good decisions. Good decisions. Reach out. Have people help you. That's the way to do it. As always, guys, to your landscape success, I will catch you next week. Hopefully every week. I do appreciate you coming back after my one-week hiatus because Maestro and I have a bit of a surprise coming up here in the next month, I think. Something that we really have been looking forward to for a little while. And it's really going to make the channel do a lot more for you and for us. But we'll keep that kind of in the box of secrets right at the moment. I'll see you guys next Friday. Thanks for tuning in as always. Bye friend. Hey friends, Maestro here. Just dropping a reminder to check out the podcast description for discount opportunities and any important links. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on a specific app, please don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps us grow and continue to provide these free podcasts. Again, thanks for listening to this week's show and we'll see you right here next week.